Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. So this is called, the title of my message is called Peaceful and Quiet, Peaceful and Quiet. And I'm going to start uh, by reading the foundational scripture, which is 1 Peter 3, through 3 and, uh, verses 3 through 4. So 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4, and I'm reading from the NIV. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Now stop. Is, is he saying that you should not do your hair and dress nice and wear jewelry? No, that's just not where your beauty comes from. Your beauty comes from elsewhere. You may take time and make yourself look nice and present a package. Package. Packaging is important, right? If you go to get a meal somewhere, it doesn't matter how good it tastes. If they, if they bring it to you and it looks like slop, you don't really want to eat it. Um, a friend of mine just taught a message about being packaged, perfectly packaged, I think it was called. And it was about self-esteem and stuff, but she made a great point. She said, I have a niece who's three, and I have a friend who's, well, she didn't say her age, but she's like 28, and she's very proper, and, and, and she does things beautifully. And she said, if I was going to give a gift to the one, I would package it very differently than I would to the other. If I packaged a gift for my grown-up friend who likes things beautiful and in a, like a Dora the Explorer wrapper, she would be like, what, why are you giving me this? You might not even want it because she would expect what's inside also to not apply to her. So packaging is important, all right? It shows on the outside what's on the inside. I'm actually, if, if you don't catch it, I'm speaking to single people right now. <laughs> packaging is important, okay? Men and women. And, you know, it's all ready. We're, we're just going to shift. Okay. I don't know how many women I talk to who don't want to date a man who's interested in them because of the way he's dressed or even that he needs a haircut. And I try to tell you, listen to me. Don't worry about it. If what's inside is good, they basically let you dress them. You, like, <laughs> they do. I mean, especially if they don't seem to care. Now, if they dress awesome, you know, they really, really put, that's a different thing. But if it's like, oh, they're just kind of sloppy, they don't seem to care about the way they dress, that's fantastic. That means you get to dress them however you want because they don't care. So don't let the way a man kind of, you know, comes off on the outside affect you. However, men, neaten up a little. Get a haircut. Don't, your jeans should not be dirty. I don't care how bachelor you are. Wash your clothes you know, package appropriately, all right? Don't try to marry up when you're looking like, you know. So let the outside match the inside, yes? All right. Um, okay, let's continue on the rest of that verse. Uh, verse 4 says, Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty. That means it never fades, never sags, never wrinkles. Don't need any kind of anything to make it beautiful because it's unfading of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, this gentle and quiet spirit, I think sometimes it's misinterpreted. Um, all growing up, I, I'm, I'm a strong woman, okay? I, I have a strong personality is what I mean by that. Uh, I believe that all of us in the room are strong. We have the strength, you know, Holy Spirit, God. That's not what we're talking about, okay? Outside. My personality is a strong personality, if you can't tell. And so growing up, I was told I was bossy, and, you know, I remember being in fourth grade, and I had this boyfriend. <laughs> I shouldn't have been allowed to have a boyfriend, but I did. Um, and he broke up with me because I was too bossy. 
That's why I was like, why did you break up with me? Because <laughs> you're too bossy. I'm like, I'm not bossy. Just let's just go out with me again and I won't be bossy, okay? Like that was, and that was really, I can remember that was my reaction. He did though. <laughs> so I've been told, all right? Um, and so a lot of us have, you know, um, raise your hand if you consider yourself a strong woman, a strong personality. Okay, see? All right, so we're, it's many of us, probably the majority of the women in the room. Um, and, and so it's, it can be, it, it's misinterpreted, first of all, the verses, but even that strength, it's like we're told not to be strong for so long, and then one day you realize, God made me exactly how he made me. This peaceful and quiet spirit isn't saying, be quiet. It's not a temperament. It's not a personality. It's, it has to do with what's inside, the spirit so I'm strong, I am outspoken, but what comes out comes from a place of peace because I have a peaceful spirit, all right? I don't, when I am outspoken, I'm not degrading anyone. I'm certainly not emasculating my husband. I try to praise people, encourage people. I come from a place, and then when, you're at, when, when you don't quite have that place of peace, you know, something just happened, and you're not quite ready to be peaceful about it yet, stop, be still, Proverbs says, put your hand over your mouth. What comes out is your power. Your word is your power. Your faith, church, you already know this. I don't have to teach this, right? We all know Donald Lawrence. Did we all? The word of our power. He sings about it. I had to, after I heard it worded like that, I had to go research it. And it's actually written in the word of God like that. It's the word of our, because I was like, doesn't he mean the power of our words? But it's the word of our power. Oh, I'm saying that to say, that was a side note. Um, so what comes out, the content that comes out is evidence of what kind of spirit is inside, all right? What, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we need to be concerned with having a peaceful heart, all right? And so I say that, so it's misinterpreted. Um, men, when you're looking at a woman, her being strong, there's nothing wrong with that. Look inside, look at the heart. The heart is what matters. If she's got, if she's full of love, essentially, if she trusts God completely, she will have peaceful things to say, maybe loudly, maybe often. But if you're constantly, would you rather constantly hear something negative, worry, fear, depression, lack, you know, or, or anger, or, or nothing at all, or positive things being spoken over you in your life consistently, right? Okay? There's nothing wrong with uh, the mild person. As a matter of fact, <laughs> for a lot of my life, I wanted to be the laid-back person. I wanted to be the quiet person. And I told this last Last service, I used to go to, in high school, I just thought that quiet people were so cool, okay? It was so cool. I still think, I still think quiet people are so cool. <laughs> My husband's laughing at me because it's true. Um, and so I go to school and I'd be like, okay, Tim, I'm going to be like, like really subdued and quiet. <laughs> and I'd sit in the, you know, in my desk and I'd, I'd be like, and it would last about a minute and a half and there'd be something to talk about and something to do. I'd be like writing on the back of the neck of the person in front of me. I would just be me, okay? And so I realized at one point, it was probably in my late 20s, that I'm okay. God designed you exactly how he designed you and he wants you to love him the way he designed you to love him. So sometimes we look at other people's Christianity and we're like, I wish I was like that. I don't feel adequate because I don't pray long enough like that person. How can they pray for 75 hours at a time and I can barely get 15 minutes in? Um, or or um, there's people who serve, like, oh, I just don't serve like that. I just don't have, and you think that there's something wrong with you. There are different, maybe you, you have a gift for serving. Maybe you are an intercessor. 
whatever it is. It's, that's you. You serve God the way he designed you to serve him. Be disciplined in all areas, so be, have a balanced Christian life, okay? But serve him the way he designed you to serve him because you are not supposed to have the Christianity of somebody else. I'll give you another example. We have two older sons, 17 and 18. One is the artist. He's actually in London now in school for fashion design. And the other one is the intellectual. One, I'm just going to tell you, I am not stamping my approval on either of these. I'm just going to explain to you the difference, okay? One is far left. One is far right, okay? One is just like, just wants to make sure to um, love the underdog, you know, and care about people that don't seem to be cared about. And, you know, he's really like, you know. And the other one is like, <laughs> I, I don't want to offend anybody. Like, he's just very staunch about his beliefs, and it should be this way. And, you know, if they can't do it, well, maybe they just shouldn't, you know, maybe they should, shouldn't live in America. You know, if they can't, if you can't, live according to these rules, you know, and so we have very different children. Now, they've gotten more and more mild as they've gotten a little older. That 14, 15 years old stage is rough. 13 to 15. Any moms of anyone who had that, that AM middle school, boy, it's like you, you wonder what you did. Like, how, how did they get like this? And they were opposites. I'm saying that to say one is a Christian. The other is a Christian. They love and trust Jesus, and it looks completely different. Completely different. But as a parent, I can rest because I know my children love the Lord. They're both saved. They mean it. And I believe that their Christianity is going to develop into a much more mature thing as they get older, of course. But they look so different, and they still love the same Lord. Okay? So um, you be you. You be who God designed you to be. All right. <laughs> All right. So I want to tell you a story. We're talking about peace, remember? Don't forget. If I forget, you just remind me what we're talking about, okay? Um, I already felt it even coming out. Like all these things were coming, and as the Holy Spirit was like reminding me of a bunch of stuff, and I'm like, oh, I need to stay on track. But I'm going to stay on track with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to track with the Holy Spirit. Will you track with me? Okay, praise the Lord. So my husband is right here. He's amazing. He's wonderful. He's kind, he's gentle. Privately, he adores me even more privately than he does publicly. He's very much the same and even better privately behind the scenes than he is, what you'll see today. Um, so he's a great husband. So I'm going to tell you a story that he, he said I could tell, okay? So uh, we were in the bathroom, and I needed something at the moment. You know what? Let me go back. The one, the artistic one, the artistic son, he's vegan. And he was buying, he cooks for himself and everything's been like four years. And so I bought him, at one point I bought him testosterone, uh, like a supplement, like from GNC, something. It's supposed to be healthy, but it helps boost testosterone because he was eating a lot of soy. And if you don't know, soy has a lot of estrogen in it. So I was like, what do I do? And I did some research and they said, you can, some, some vegan men do this if they're eating soy. Uh, he's eating a lot less now. Again, not a nutritional, I'm not a nutritionist. Do what you're doing. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. I don't care. I eat meat, uh, and I, I eat soy, too. I like edamame. So we got him testosterone boost, and we just had it, and it didn't work for him. It made him feel weird, so we just left it in the cabinet. So I'm brushing my teeth or something in the bathroom, and I needed something in that moment when I couldn't, like, go get it. And so I said to my husband, hey, can you get me something? I mean, I, mean, I need it in the closet. I'm in the bathroom. I need something in the closet. And he said, yeah, but I needed it, like, now. And... He wasn't moving, 
because he was doing something. And I realized looking at him, he's doing something where I'm going to be able to get this faster. This is all in internal. I was like, you know what? I'll just get it. No beef. I had no issue with him not moving. I just needed it now. And when I realized he couldn't, I went to go get it. So I went to go to the closet and do something. And he, like, follows me in and, like, has a whole lot to say and had this very angry moment like I had never seen before. Okay? He didn't touch me. He didn't say bad words. But it was, I had not seen my husband. He, like, he like blew up. And let me tell you, have you ever had known someone who acts completely out of character? You know, and it was at me, and it was just a few feet away from me. And I was like, first, you know, a little thrown off. But like, like we said, I'm a, I'm a strong woman, so saying, speaking my mind is a comfortable place for me. To tell him, oh, no, you don't get to talk to me like that. That would have been very natural. But sometimes not being strong takes more strength. Submission takes more strength than really speaking your mind, right? So um, I said nothing. Didn't even react. I just kind of walked around him and left the closet and let him have... Left him alone with his moment. I mean, it was, if you were there, it was a very big moment for, for me. Like, I just had not ever in 11 and a half years seen my husband behave like that. So I went in the bathroom. He kind of left the room and just kind of be alone. Um, and I could have had that self-talk where you're like, this man thinks he's going to talk to me any kind of way and just fly off the hand. He can't do I don't even know why he, all I wanted was to get something. I didn't even, like, I wasn't even mad at him. Just kind of just... Self-talk. You know, do you know self-talk is 85% of your emotions? You, so you have to watch your self-talk, especially the out loud talk. Even if it's whispering, you have to watch it. So I didn't. I said, okay, that's not my husband. So I'm going to pray because that's not how he acts. And I started, like, rebuking a spirit of witchcraft. And anyone, no one can speak, speak words over him. I started rebuking stuff. And I just assumed someone's speaking over him, that they, stuff they shouldn't be speaking. And I started rebuking witchcraft and things like that. And then I thought to myself, okay, because this was, it, it seemed major because it was not him. Um, who can I contact that I can still cover him completely with love but can stand with me? And I thought, oh, okay, I can call his mom, someone who just wouldn't change their opinion of him based on this interaction. Like his mom, and you know, I thought of another person. And, but I didn't do it, because by the time I was kind of getting through that process, he came back and he apologized. And then he said, yeah, I'm sorry, you know. He's like, and I probably shouldn't, sh should stop taking that testosterone boost. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, why would you take this? Now, now this is a man who's like full of testosterone. Like his son, the fruit of his loins, like just reeks, just testosterone seeps out of his body because he's made from David Winston. Like there's not even, I, I said to Lester, he weighs about 20 pounds more than you think because that's not fat. It's all muscle. He's just heavy testosterone. And if you don't know, it's, it's a very connected. I was like, you should never have taken testosterone. He, he works out a lot. So he thought it, he, I guess some research showed him that it would help with his workout. He thought it would help his workout. And so I'm saying that to say, that testosterone was a source of it. It wasn't witchcraft. We didn't need to do all that. He just didn't take it. He watched himself for the next day or two, probably. And he just stopped taking it. And he was fine. Said all that to say, though, my, my reaction came from a place of peace. What if I had said some stuff that had been destructive? 
If my words are power, what if I had said stuff that I never should have said and set some things in motion and gave, the, the, he said last service, gave the devil permission to do some stuff? You know? You have to watch. So out of that peaceful spirit is where the words come, your responses, your reactions. So we must have a peaceful spirit. In order to have good relationships, friendships, relationships, marriage, we must have that peaceful spirit. We have to seek a peaceful spirit. Say it with me. Say, I seek a peaceful spirit. I seek a peaceful spirit. Yes. So, so you have to seek it, and there's ways to have it. So I'm going to give you three ways, um, three things you must do in order to have a peaceful spirit. And we're going to talk about that. I'm going to list them for you, and then I'll teach on them. But first, I just want to give you a couple more things. Um, I want to read the definition of that, and then I'm going to read it in the Amplified. So in, in this, it says gentle and quiet spirit. Gentle, translated in, uh, in the Greek, is gentle. <laughs> Easy. I'm working on that one. Quiet, however, translates tranquil, peaceful, steady, settled. I say consistent. And due to a divinely inspired God, inner calmness. So I'm consistent because I trust God. Calmly quiet, appropriately tranquil, by not misusing or overusing words that would stir up needless friction. You know, uh, overusing words, I mentioned it last service because I was talking to marrieds, because they, they, they've seen this. And if you've been married before, overusing words sounds a lot like nagging, the way my husband has helped me understand it. If you say it one or two times, say it once, fine. Remind me once, maybe twice, fine. After that... It sounds like nagging. I feel like, basically, you know what? I have it in the book. I, I have two books out there in the, in the foyer, and one is about being an amazing wife. It is for singles and married. As a matter of fact, there's even a part in the book that is just for singles, and then a part that's just for marrieds. In, in one certain chapter about a man's three basic needs, because there are certain things that singles don't need to be reading right now, okay? Um, so, um, nagging. Uh, he said, after a few times, it sounds like nagging. And what nagging says, what nagging communicates is, you think I'm too stupid to remember what you told me to do or what you asked me about, okay? You do incompetence. I think you're incompetent. So we just have to be careful about that. But you can read more about that in the book. Um, overusing words. Okay, so now we're going to read it in the Amplified. We're reading 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4 in the Amplified. Your adornment must not be merely external with interweaving and elaborate knotting of the hair and wearing gold jewelry or being superficially preoccupied with dressing in expensive clothes. So you can package, but it's not superficial, okay? It also shouldn't take most of your time. But let it be the inner beauty, the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable quality and unfading charm. Never perishes, never fades of a gentle and peaceful spirit. A peaceful spirit never goes out of style. All right? That's something you can put on that you will never, ever, ever have to, like, get a new one. Um, one that is calm and self-controlled. Everyone say self-control. Self Not over-anxious, but serene and spiritually mature, which is very precious in the sight of God. All right. So in order to have this peace, we need to do three things. All right? So I'm going to tell you them, and then I'm going to teach on them just a little. One, make a decision. Everyone say decision. decision. To love God. Sorry. To love. You don't have to say this. A decision to love and trust God and his word. 
So make a decision if you're taking notes. One, make a decision to love and trust God and his word completely with everything. Number two, abide in the love of Jesus. Abide in the love of Jesus. And number three, submit everything to prayer. Submit everything to prayer. So let's go back to one. It's a decision that says, no matter what, I trust you, Lord. It's, it's a decision that you want to make. If, if any of you, who here does want to get married at some point? Okay, for those of you, it's a decision you're going to make to love that person, no matter what. On their stinky days, their gross days, their days that their, their reactions just don't line up with, like, reason, Okay. All the days, you love them no matter what. It's a decision. So we say to God, no matter what, I trust you. Mark 12, 30 says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Strength. This is the first commitment. So when loving God, you have to use everything, right? Heart, soul, mind, strength. We're just going to talk about what those are. Heart is your inner life, your intentions, desires, passions, affections, Okay, the passions. Passions is a great word for heart. Soul is the self, human person, breath of life, identity. It's like the who you are. What we often refer to as like our spirit. You are your spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. That's your, your, this is what, when he says soul, here it's translated the who you are. Okay, mind is understanding, intellect, insight, reasoning, critical thinking, considering all sides. This is the analytical side of you. And often, we make the mistake of saying, no, no, you shouldn't, you know, intellectually love God. You shouldn't love God with your, just your heart, your whole heart. But yes, you should, because Jesus said to love him with your mind, with your understanding, with your critical thinking. That thing that says this, then this, then this, then this, then this. So this, God is good and God is the creator, okay? Sometimes we ignore some things. Uh, we, for example, creation or um, let's say the, the beginning of the universe, okay? I'm not going to go deep into it. It's a doctrine issue. But I am in a school right now, I'm in school, Christian school, and the way they taught it to us, science and creation line up perfectly. You don't know, though, if you're trying to either prove God wrong or just ignore everything, okay? When you seek to prove him right because you trust him, then you love him with your intellect. And this leads to more trust, right? Um, A good example is someone found themselves in my husband's office, Uh, a little over a year ago maybe, and accused me of cheating on him. They told him that I, I, or accused me, let's say it that way. They accused me of it. Um, And my husband knows my character, all right? So he didn't go and try to like start making calls and finding out and trying to find out who said what and what said and and seeing if I really did this thing. He wanted to, he, he sought to prove me right, to prove my innocence because he trusts me. He made a decision to love and trust me. He knows my character. I know the character of God. When I see or hear or something, I experience something, it doesn't line up with the character of God, I question it, not God. You trust God with everything. So um, let's just say that I was completely exonerated. Um, I, you know, and he didn't even seek, he didn't even seek, I actually did a little seeking after that. I was, I tried to find, the, the person that I, I believe she was referring to, um, come to find out, like, he was wanted for, like, second degree murder and had been diagnosed with some major, um, mental health issues. So, 
<laughs> that being said, I was innocent. My husband sought to prove my innocence. Uh, that'll happen when, when someone dies that you don't, you know shouldn't have died, or there's an illness, or something that's just not fair, that you're just like, this isn't right. Why? It doesn't turn you from God. It turns you, you turn to God because you trust him. That's what trusting him looks like. Joseph Solomon, does anyone here know who that is? He's a poet and a teacher. All right, he's young. He's really cool. You should look him up. He, he, he has this one poem called Doubt Your Doubt, and I love it. If you have doubt, don't walk out the doubt. Doubt your doubt. Turn from the doubt. Seek out how you can trust God better. Um, so trust and love, trust and love. They go hand in hand. They are uh, interwoven. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Um, we're going to put up a chart while I read it, and I want you to see how this all ties together, okay? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things. This is just one of them, but I like believes all things, and the Amplified says believes the best in each person. This is your mind. And if you're loving God this way, you're believing the best in him at all times in every situation. So, so in this chart, it just shows how with your heart, your soul, your mind, oh, I didn't mention strength, and your strength, how you love God. So if this is how we're supposed to love in 1 Corinthians, I'm pointing here like y'all can see my notes. If we're supposed to love like that in 1 Corinthians, this is what it can look like. These are the parts of you you're loving, you're doing that with, okay? Let's go back to strength. Strength is translated your ability, power, or force. Power or force, that's obvious. You know, we know strength, we think of power or force. But ability is like the thing that, that gives you value, you know? So for some, it might be, I'm a singer, or I'm an actor, or something that's not, you know, as artistic. Um, or, or, you know, I, I like, I'll stop being artistic. Uh, in, in, intellectual, if, if you're an intellectual, you love him with all of your intellectualism. You love him if you are a, a preacher, a teacher, whatever your gift is, the thing that is your strength, your ability, you love him with that. And that's actually what Jesus was talking about when he spoke to, spoke to the rich young ruler. And he said, said, if you want to follow me, sell everything you have, and then you can follow me, right? So, and we look at that sometimes, and especially a lot of people misinterpret it as um, we're supposed to take a vow of poverty to follow God. And of course, we know in the faith, faith church, we know that's not the case. But that's his ability. The rich young ruler, that was the thing that gave him power. That was his thing. That was his strength. And Jesus was saying, love me with all your strength. That's the only thing you're missing. You've, always, you've, you've followed all the commandments all your life, right? You've kept the commandments. All right, now love me with your strength and to see if he could do that. So you love God with all of your gifts, all of your strengths, all of your ability, okay? That's what we're referring to there. All right, um, one more thing about loving and trusting God with everything. When it comes to loving Jesus, Jesus isn't Jesus alone. Uh, can we have that one slide, the full version, please? You all see who that is? Can you see it? It's coming? Let me know when you see it. Give me a nod or something. All right, who is that? Can you tell who that is? It's not a trick question. Say it again. Pastor David, thank you. That's right, that's my husband. He's even handsome from the back. All right, so let's see the next slide. You see it? Okay, who is it now? So, so it's still Pastor David, even though it's just his body? Right? That's still him, right? Yes? All right. The church is the body of? 
If we are not loving the church, we are not loving Jesus. Because the church, the body is still Jesus. All right? So you need to love each individual person in the church as your brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're loving Jesus because they're his body. And if you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're not loving Jesus because they're his body. All right? And that also applies in relationships. Something that we do, especially in romantic relationships, in marriage, in dating, we expect too much. We don't love each other like brothers and sisters in Christ anymore. It's like you're everyone else. I'll tolerate anything from anyone else, right? Excuse me, you can, uh, you can come to me and say, oh, I went through this thing, and I sinned, or I, and you, you just, oh, let's pray together. Let's work through this. But the moment the person that you're romantically involved with does that, it's like a huge problem. How could you lie to me? That's a deal breaker. But it's not a deal breaker with every other brother and sister in Christ that you have. So, so a way you need to change perspective and be forgiving with the person you're romantically involved with the same way you would if just as if they were just a brother or sister in Christ. There is something to be said for you need to be kind of prepared for relationship and at a certain level and, you know, try to be whole. But I can love you through something. As my, my bro, I have loved my husband many times just like I would a brother in Christ to try to lift him up out of something or strengthen him or encourage him. It's not, I can't just look at him as someone who's supposed to do this and do that and be like this and be like that, otherwise he's not living up to my standard. I have the same standard. Now, I have a high standard. Like, I have a, some level of expectation because, because he's shown himself to be a certain type of man. However, if he falls beneath that, he doesn't get, I don't, I don't reject him. I say, what can I do? Just like in the bathroom. What can I do to lift him up out of this situation? Because I know that, that he's better than this, Okay. So you love people like brothers and sisters in Christ, including your romantic relationships. Um, all right. Say, I love the church. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Number two was abide in the love of Jesus. And we're going to go through these quickly. We had very little time for them last service as well. Such a surprise for me. Um, abide in the love of Jesus. John 15, 9 through 10 in the Amplified says, I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Now then he says, remain in my love. Okay? Remain in my love. So how do we remain in the love of Jesus? The next verse tells us. How do I remain or abide? The other word is abide. How do I abide in the love of Jesus? If you keep my commands and obey my teaching, you will remain or abide in my love. Another translation says abide. So if you keep his commands and obey his teaching, you will abide in his love. Everybody says be obedient. Be obedient. Thank you. That's it. Like he even says, just a little later, just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So how did Jesus abide in the love of God? He was obedient. He kept his commandments. He just did what he said to do. So it's our job, and I could take you through, but I'm just going to tell you because I'm about out of time. It's your job. Go through the New Testament, read where Jesus spoke, find his commandments, and just obey them. Then you will remain or abide in his love, in Jesus' love, the way Jesus abided in the love of God. So Jesus had this, it was like this love. He just stayed inside. As he obeyed God, he could stay inside this love where it was safe, where it was peaceful, where even though people were per persecuting him and on, get, trying to get at him from every side, and it was lies. Like, 
he, he, he obeyed God unto death. We get a little upset. We get upset when people just kind of lie on us a little, right? I have to admit, I was upset when that, that person lied on me. But we get so upset from that. And Jesus, people were lying so that they could murder him. And he just stayed inside of the love of God because he was just obeying what God told him to do. All right? That's all you need to do to abide in his love. Um, also, John 15, 12 through 14 and John 13, 34 are also commandments to love. So we're going to move on. <laughs> I wrote something funny. Maybe I should mention it. So my husband says, we're designed to reproduce what we meditate. I think it's funny. Uh, we're designed to, re- that's not funny. <laughs> Hold on. We're designed to reproduce what we meditate, right? So we meditate on it, and we're going to reproduce it. So um, we want to study and, and really understand Jesus' commands so that we can reproduce them. But I think of things like Bad Girls Club. Does that, is that still on, Bad Girls Club? What's, what's a show like that where like, it's like people that act, they're just ratchet. They're the worst. And they get in fights. Okay, so Bad Girls Club is like, it's a reality show where just like a bunch of bad girls live in the same house. And you know what's going to happen. What would you say? Atlanta Housewives. Okay, yeah, the Housewives of Atlanta. All right. And they just act, they act up. All right. But if that's what you're watching and you're enjoying it and you're feeding on it and feeding on it, that's meditation. That is the same. You're meditating on it. You talk about it. You get on the phone with your girlfriend. You're like, girl, did you see what she did? And, and so, and, and what happens then something happens, and you start in your mind like, in your self-talk, and you're like, whoa, I don't usually think like that. And then, next thing you know, someone says something, and you're like, oh, no, you didn't. Oh, no, come on. And they, you, like, what happened to you? That's not how you are. You have to watch what you meditate. In that same way, meditate the commandments of Jesus, and you will abide in him. Uh, the last one we said was submit everything to prayer. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. This is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. But in all things, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, submit, make your specific request known to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding, that peace that keeps you in the midst of major persecution, relationships or not, that stands guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The way it stands guard, the peace of God, is because it keeps you from saying what you should. It stands guard over your heart. So, so, so your heart's here. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? If I've submitted my cares, my worries to God, and I'm peaceful, then I'm not, that guard keeps me from saying things that are destructive, okay? It keeps things from going in, like really going in, that would be destructive to my relationship and my people. And then the last thing is, um, last verse then a closing statement. Philippians 4, through 4, verse 8. These are the things we think about, okay? This is, this is our measuring stick. If it is not true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there's not virtue, if it's not praiseworthy, don't think about it. Ladies, that man that is not noble or praiseworthy, don't think about it. And gentlemen, that lady, even those images that are not uh, lovely and of good report and pure, it, you just replace the thought, okay, cast it down and replace it. Um, final, final note I want to make is that, just like the story in the beginning, having that peaceful spirit protects you. So you want to seek it. Seek the peaceful spirit. Seek the peaceful spirit. 
Look at the commands of Jesus and see how you can obey them. Abide in his love. Submit every, every care, every worry to prayer. And don't worry anymore. And um, decide to trust God with 100% of you. And you, that peaceful spirit will come. And what comes out will be powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. That was a good word. You all may be seated. That was a good word. Come on, let's give it up for Sister Nikki. There's a joke that we have at our church that obviously my mother, Veronica Winston, is the first lady, and so Nikki is the second later, lady. So as the second lady, uh, she, she teaches the word of God. Uh, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord with you today. We all are glad to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I want to say publicly thank you so much to Pastor Carrick and, uh, and Lady Raquel for being so awesome, so steadfast in the word, uh, such a great man of God. Can we give our leadership another round of applause? You have great leadership in this house. Um, the first service I taught about building a household of faith. I know you all are in uh, the Family of Faith series, uh, and it's going well, and so we want to get right on into it. I know a lot about growing up in a household of faith because uh, growing up in the house with my dad, Dr. Bill Winston, and he taught me faith even from a young age. And uh, you know you grew up in a household of faith where, you know, you had a need, and then, you know, you would present the need, and you would be presented back with sow a seed. <laughs> and so... Uh, and so it was good, but I had great parents. They always took care of my needs. But, you know, when it was time for me to get a car, I was 16. I was like, Dad, we should get a car for me. He was like, that's a great idea. I was like, cool, what's your schedule look like today? But uh, he said, well, you can sow a seed for it. I was like, what? That's not how this works. He said, this is how this works in the kingdom household. And so, uh, so sowed a seed, but got a car debt-free. Amen, a new car. So, uh, but as Pastor Carrick was saying, the same God who acknowledges my faith is the same God who will acknowledge your faith. He's not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of principles and that I am not more favorite than you. We just have to use our faith the same way. Amen. It says in Romans chapter 1 verse 17 and then also again in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11 and then again in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38, the just shall live by faith. Say, I am living, I am living. by faith. Now, if we are to live by faith, faith will take obedience. Say obedience. We have to trust God with every area of our lives, but it's going to take obedience. We cannot follow God without faith. That's first. Without faith, we can't even please God. But how can we say that we are full of faith without fully intending to be obedient? Right? It was God's job to part the Red Sea, but it was Moses' job, I'm going to borrow this, to lift up the staff. God was not going to lift the staff for Moses, yet did God not intend for Moses himself to figure out a way to part the Red Sea. God has his part. We have our part. But God is so good that he doesn't even make us figure it out. He gives us the word. He gives us the principles. He helps us grow our faith. And then he will instruct us on our situation. Amen. Today I'm going to piggyback on Nikki and I'm going to talk about obedience will get you there. 
Obedience will get you there. Obedience will get you there. Now, I know this is the last service, and uh, you all proved to me earlier that y'all are the turn-up crowd. So I'm going to need y'all not to sit on me. Don't get quiet on me. I know you're looking to go, you know, and, and watch the Falcons game and eat some good food. That's cool. We'll hit that later on. But I know y'all are still ready for the word, right? Y'all steady, still ready to receive the word. Yeah, y'all was up here turning up and shouting and everything. Came in with the hairdo one way. You're going to leave with the hairdo a different way. So the Holy Spirit redid my hair. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. The Holy Ghost is a hairstylist. He'll help you sweat it out real good. <laughs> I need some money, Holy Ghost. I'll sweat it out this perm. They even do perms anymore. It's, I don't know. <laughs> Clearly, I don't know anything about that life. So Isaiah chapter 1, verse um, 19. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. And it says this. It says, if you are willing, say, I am willing. I am willing. And obedient, say, I am obedient. You shall eat the good of the land. So that's good news for both of us. So there's two things, two requirements for us to get the best of God. We got to be willing. We said we were willing. And then we got to be obedient. We said we were going to be obedient. So God has a plan and purpose for each one of us. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And then I'm going to tell you the story of how Nikki and I met. I'm going to interweave it in here. Aw, yeah. It's just as beautiful as it sounds. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible. And this is the Amplified Classic Bible because they changed the Amplified Bible a few years ago. My dad is not a fan. It's like, it's, it's just old stuff. It's, just, it's new or new stuff. So um, we're streaming. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. They might be listening. <laughs> I made that new Amplified version. I thought it was really good. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says this, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works, say good works, which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking the paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life, say the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So the good life doesn't mean that things won't pop up, but it means that God will give us peace throughout the midst of the things popping up. It doesn't mean that needs won't pop up, but it does mean that he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and provides already for the things that pop up. You can't catch God by surprise, nor can God mismanage your life. Hello, somebody. So when you put your faith and trust in God, he has a solution and an answer for each one of the situations. He has a plan for your good, and he has prearranged it and made it ready for you to live. So back in 2016, at the end of 2016, it was uh, the Christmas holiday. I was actually back home um, from ORU, so I was back in Chicago temporarily, and uh, we're on break. Um, and so... On break, I was having this experience. You know, I was dating another young lady, and um, things had been going well. We actually were engaged. We were engaged to be married that next year, and, uh, and she was a wonderful young lady and uh, had a great family. And for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit started speaking to my heart. I mean, I know why now, but the Holy Spirit started speaking to my heart, and, and I wasn't able to articulate yet in words what was going on. 
But there hadn't been problems in our relationship. Uh, you know, it had a pretty smooth sailing relationship. It wasn't, you know, drama. We were both low drama people. And so God just put this unrest inside of me, this divine discontentment. And I started kind of questioning, is this your plan, God? Now, up until that moment, I had really believed that that was God's plan. I, you know, I prayed. You know, we were good Christian kids going to ORU. We both went to ORU. So, you know, we knew God real good. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, we had that experience. We were really following God, and our desire was to follow God. But we just, I came to this place of just unrest. And so, I said, you know, it was a Friday night. And I remember, I was on the phone with one of my best friends. And it was a Friday night, and I was like, I just need you to pray with me, and I'm just going to pray. And I'm just going to pray until something happens, some kind of word from God. I'm just going to fast from, from TV or, or, you know, all the outside things from media, and I'm just going to lock myself in tonight, and I'm just going to pray and listen to the voice of God. And in the midst of that, God spoke to me, and he said something that just shifted my paradigm. He said, David, what you have is good, referring to my current relationship but it's not my best. You can have good or you can have my best for you. Didn't mean that there was anything wrong with her, but God was saying, this isn't my best for you. And he gave me a choice. I'll never forget that. He gave me a choice. He didn't force me into his plan. He just said, this isn't my best for you. And you know, me, I, I couldn't resist that. I couldn't resist that offer. He was saying that he had something else on the table. So I just couldn't walk away from that. And so I said, okay, well, and I just continued to pray and I thought about it and I made my decision. I said, I feel like I have to, I have to leave this. I have to end this relationship. I can't continue forward knowing that this is not God's best. And I woke up the next morning, Pastor Carrick, and my dad was studying in his study and it was early in the morning and I came in. I said, dad, you got a few minutes? He's like, yeah, sure. What's going on? And I said, you know, I was praying last night and I've been asking God to help me and give me understanding. And so I said, you know, I prayed and I really feel like this is what the Lord said about my current relationship. And he was telling me that, you know, he has something better for me. And he leaned back from his desk and looked at me. He said, I've been praying for you. And he said, the Lord had been showing me some things the last couple of weeks, but I didn't want to push from a pastoral or a fatherly place. I wanted the Lord to speak to you. And he said, I, I said, Lord, if you speak to him, I'll just confirm it. And the Lord had already been dealing with him. And so he gave me the confirming word of what the Lord had been speaking to his heart. And so I made the decision, okay, we're going to cut this off. And, and it was hard. It was, it was challenging just as breakups are. But I knew that God was leading me into something different. And so it was about a month after I had broken up that engagement. And, you know, we were still going to ORU. We actually still had some of the same classes together, right? Awkward. <laughs> so, so I was like, how should we do this? Like, I know we usually sit next to each other. I guess we're going to sit on opposite sides. I mean, like, it was, it was kind of an awkward next semester. Um, but God had a plan. And so I wasn't looking for my wife, Nikki. Um, I wasn't looking for Nikki. I wasn't looking even to get back into another relationship. I, you know, I was just trying to still pick up the pieces from the last relationship. And it's interesting that when you follow God and you're obedient to God, you expect it to get easier from there. But your natural emotions still have a reaction to a spiritual decision. So it's like, 
even though I was obedient, I was still having to walk out the process as a natural young man. And, but I had faith in God, and, and I still had this inner peace. And so I remember I, I had met my wife. I, we met uh, maybe a month after that. One of my best friends introduced me to her. And then I actually went to the Sprint store where she was working, and uh, she was working at a, as a retail rep. And we went because me and my ex, we had uh, we we're on the same you know plan. And so, somebody, I just prophesied to somebody, get out that plan, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. So I was thinking about getting out that plan, Pastor David. You said it. He is a prophet. Prophesied the end of my contract. With no fees. Amen. So, so we severed the contract, and, uh, and we were talking, and then I left, and his friends were like, who was that? Was that a sister? He was flirting with you? And, I was, and, 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 and she was like, no, no. And then I got her number from a buddy of mine, and I contacted her later on, and we, uh, we connected later on, and, and, um, and we ended up hanging out that night in a group, and the rest was just kind of history from there. And I remember the first week or two when we were together, it was amazing. It was almost like my destiny recognized itself. And it wasn't just because of like an over-the-moon kind of romantic feeling. I mean, there was, there was feelings, but it was something inside of us that recognized the other thing inside of the other person. And it's like it drew us to each other. And then the first thing was it made us want to serve God more. Like it was like, whoa, this is something like real. Who are you? I wasn't looking for you. This is awesome. We need to seek God so we don't mess this up. <laughs> this is good. And, um, and we sought the Lord. Um, and, and the Lord led us each step of the way. And so in, in about um, just a little over a year from there, uh, we actually got married. Um, so from meeting each other, and then we got engaged that fall, and then we got married that next year, and, uh, and the rest is history. And God spoke to us. Early on, he gave us an understanding of what the kingdom purpose is that he has for us. And I believe that each couple should always have a kingdom purpose in mind, because God didn't put you together just so you can be happy. <laughs> and singles, God is not going to put you together with another person just so you can be happy. Your happiness is actually a byproduct. The kingdom purpose is the forefront. That's the first thing. And so we understood, okay, this is God. This is why you're putting us together. And, uh, and we continued to pursue. And then in 2009, uh, we moved back to Chicago and uh, started in full-time ministry. And the rest is history from there. But I want you to turn with me to a scripture uh, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 29. There's a specific scripture, Mark chapter 10, verse 29, and it took me some years after that to understand what my obedience had unlocked. Because your obedience will unlock doors for you. I heard the Holy Spirit as we were praising and worshiping. You know, every time I go into a service, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, like, Holy Spirit, what's, what's the word? What's, what, what's, what, what are you doing in this service, in this environment? And I heard the word breakthrough. I heard the word breakthrough. That's not a word that I kind of throw around to sound good or get everybody excited to get everybody on the train. So, you know, they're like, yeah, I heard the word breakthrough. And I said, Lord, I understand now why you've given me this assignment to talk about obedience, because obedience is the precursor to breakthrough. And, and, I, and I, I had the scripture that the Lord showed me some years after, after we got together. It says on Mark chapter 10 and verse 29, and Jesus 
answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you that there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. And I got the revelation. And I want you to catch this revelation. That when I left that relationship, I wasn't just breaking up. I wasn't just leaving. I was sowing a relationship. And the Lord taught me, you can sow a relationship and reap a better one. And this is a principle that I teach our youth at the youth ministry at the church. They say, I want better friends, Pastor David. I say, great, sow the ones you have. Take the one that you know is not for you, oh knucklehead Bobby, take him, and leave that relationship, but don't just leave it, sow it. Give it to God in obedience to God and see what God will do with it. And I saw that as I sowed one relationship, I reaped a better relationship. That God is is a faithful God. And how many of you all believe in this principle called sowing and reaping, amen? That this is a real principle. And so I had to understand this sowing and reaping can apply not just to money stuff. This can apply to many different areas of life. And so obedience is the thing that was able to connect us together. I wasn't looking for her. But yet it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, right? And obtains favor from the Lord. I was only concerned with being obedient to God. That was my only concern, being obedient to God. And sometimes we can be so concerned with trying to get something from God that we forget to be obedient to God. And we have to remember, that's what what will get us there, obedience. In Psalms chapter 37 and verse 23, it says this in um, in the New Living Translation. It says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly, and he delights in every detail of their lives. The Lord directs the steps of the godly and delights in every detail of their lives. So God had a plan for us, and he delighted delighted in our steps. And when my faith was towards him, he was helping me do something that I couldn't naturally perceive. So he delights in every detail of our lives. So I want to explain it like this. How many of you all have used GPS, like on your phone, Google Maps, Apple Maps if you're saved? (laughs) Just kidding. Little iPhone humor. I'm going to come down here. I like to be on the floor sometimes. Is that okay, Pastor Carrick? I guess I'm already down here, so I've kind of forced your yes. But that's okay. I have favor. I have favor with you. So can we do this? I know they built that brand new, beautiful Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Has anybody ever been to it yet? Is it nice? That's pretty nice, huh? Okay, so I need some millennial help. Can somebody look up on your Google Maps and, uh, and type in Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Somebody go type it up in the Google Maps and then get a, get a directional route going. We're going to do a little bit of example. Is that okay? I like illustrations. Usually if they're good enough, Pastor Carrick will take it. That's good. I appreciate that. Um, so somebody get it. You, you got it? Okay, you got it? Okay, can I ask you to join me? Come on and join me. So I was nice and comfortable. With, I was nice and comfortable. He called me out of my comfort zone. That's okay, my brother. And you're looking good, too. Come on. Yeah. That's why he paused. He's like, is it me? I know it's me. 
<laughs> come on over. Come on over. Yeah, yeah. It's okay to look good. That's okay to look good. What's your name? Aaron. Aaron. All right, brother Aaron. Okay, so you got the route right here. Okay, cool. Um, is your volume turned up? You might have it on, um, on, on silent right now because uh, you do the right thing in church. Um, and so make sure it's off. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. So, so volume's already turned up. And so did it do the route yet? Okay, let's, let's go back. And then um, let's press start. I just wanted to make sure. The, okay. Hold on. Is, is it, is, um, do you have it on vibrate? Yeah. Yeah, give me the audio. Perfect. Okay, let's do this. All right. So now when, when you go, a lot of times, and I know we're not driving, so a lot of times when you go and you press the start, it'll say, you know, hey, I'm proceed to the highlighted route. Starting navigation to. And so this is going to make you um, make a right at the east-west connector. So say it in your navigation voice, what you think navigation would say right there. Please proceed to the highlighted route, then turn right on east-west connector. Come on. Atlanta-style navigation. I like that. And so, so you're going to go, and you're going to follow the highlighted route. Now, let's, let's look at the map. I'm going somewhere. Stick with me. So let's look at the route. It's saying about 30 minutes. And so we go, we go, we look at the route, we go. And then there's another turn. So at that turn, what is this? It's by a quick trip. So at that turn, what do you think it would say right here? In a quarter of a mile, turn right on South Cobb Drive. Oh, that was so professional. In a quarter of a mile, turn right on South Cobb Drive. Now, Aaron, will it give you all of the verbal steps and directions for each and every step and turn all at once? No. So when do you get the verbal confirmation or direction for the next step. As you're getting ready to come up on that turn. As you're getting ready to come up on your turn. So you don't get everything all at once, but when you get to the next step, then you get the next set of instructions. Am I right? That's right. So what you're saying is, when I go step by step, once I start to get to the end of the previous step, and that step is completed, I get a next step until I get to the destination. Now, let me ask you a question. Will I get any steps to the destination of Mercedes-Benz Center Arena if I don't type in that destination? No. So first of all, I have to have a destination. Right? Because Miles Monroe, he used to say that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. See, obedience will get you there, but you got to go step by step by step. Now, let me ask you a question. Will any voice navigation kick in if you stay right here in the church? No. So you can stay in the house of God and not get into direction if you don't move out? That's right. So wait a minute. You can get your praise on. You can lift your hands. You can get good Bible teaching. But if you don't move out, you won't get the next set of instructions? Not at all. Not at all. Because our progress with God is predicated on our obedience to God. 
And some of us are waiting for God to say something different than what he's already said. And the word of the Lord has come to me about this specific service saying, start with what I told you to do. And we're trying to make sense of it. And he's trying to make faith from it. Because God's ways don't make sense. They make faith. So we're trying to reason it out sometimes. And has it, have you ever had the map take you away that you didn't really understand? Like, where are you taking me, Google? Yes. <laughs> have you had it happen more than once? In Atlanta, yes. In Atlanta, yes. Like, Google, what's up with you? What's up? I'm going to Apple. I'm going to Apple. Because it starts taking you a route that you're not aware of. I don't know about it in Atlanta, but in Chicago, we have a lot of construction during the summertime. And so you probably have a lot of construction here too. So sometimes it'll take you away that naturally it seems like it's longer, but what you don't know is they just started construction on that road that you used to take. And sometimes God is taking us away that we don't naturally understand. But he knows and he saw what's coming. So he's going to help you avoid that bad relationship. Come on, somebody. He's going to help take you out of the company before it goes bankrupt. Come on, somebody. He's going to move you into that new home before you got pregnant because he knew you were about to get pregnant. You needed that extra room. You needed that extra bedroom. Come on, pregnancy. You know all about it. Said, Lord, we need more space, and this apartment is not anointed anymore. It's time to get out of here. But I think we can learn a lot from this GPS system, that we can understand that God moves with movers. And that when we want to see God move, we have to move. We move out on what God has said. If you want to see God move, then you have to move. If you don't move, what does God have to direct? Because he orders our steps. But he doesn't order the steps of people who stay parked. What steps are there to order? You got to move. As long as the car stays in park, the navigation stays silent. But the first step still didn't change. Aaron, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Nice shoes, too. <laughs> he said, I knew this was my day. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Let's finish up. Your walk of faith is not dependent on your understanding of the journey. Your walk of faith is not dependent on your understanding of the journey. And the first rule to God directing your steps is that you have to be willing to move. You have to be willing to move. God may be giving you a set of instructions that you don't understand because Oftentimes, our natural mind will tell us that, no, this isn't God because our natural mind didn't understand how this will get me to where I'm trying to go. Lord, I know that you spoke this word to me. The man of God spoke this word to me. He gave me a word of knowledge and then prophesied something to me last year. But the same God who was God last year is the same God who is God today and will be God next year and the years after that. God did not forget about the word that was spoken over you. And when you don't know what to do, go back to what the last instruction was and see if you have completed that yet. What was that last instruction of obedience? What was it? Was it to enroll in this class or course? Was it to 
pursue some kind of relationship here? Was it to move out of this territory and into a new community or new town? Was it to leave this job to pursue that thing that God had put inside of you since the age of 10 and 11? What, what is that thing? Because God didn't forget his word. Neither is he not faithful to bring it to pass. He knows the thoughts and plans that he thinks towards you. Thoughts for hope, thoughts for a future, thoughts for an expected end. But I, I said it, he didn't make Moses lift the rod. Moses had to choose to lift the rod. And he had an audience of two or three million people looking at him to see what was going to happen. But Moses didn't have to have the strength to physically part the Red Sea. That was all God's part. All you have to do is be obedient. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is start with step one. What do we do with the navigation? Just start with step one. This morning, I want to say obedience will get you there this afternoon. Obedience will get you there. Just start with step one. What is the Lord speaking to you right now in this season that he's telling you to do? Doesn't matter if it makes sense. Doesn't matter if you have the finances or resources for it. Doesn't matter if you have the connections for it. Oh, I don't have an in. I don't know anybody who works in that industry. Doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, God is counting on that because God counts on that thing that we have the least trust in to be able to show most of his glory. So I don't have a connection here. Good. God likes it that way. That way the story and the testimony that you tell, you can never take the credit. You can't get the glory for what God is about to do in your life. And I just, I hear it in my spirit, breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. I hear it in my spirit, breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. It's time to break through. It's time to push past. It's time to go further than we've gone before. It's time to stop playing it safe and living safe. It's time to push out, to push out. To push out from the shoreline and go into the deep. Because it was only in the deep where Peter could cast down his net and pull in a great increase of fish. The fish were always in the lake. But it wasn't until Peter cast down his net that the fishes swam into his net. God can't be obedient for us. He's waiting on our own obedience. He's waiting for us. Turn to my last scripture, um, James chapter 2 and verse 26. Hallelujah. James chapter 2 and verse 26. James chapter 2 and verse 26. I'll turn there too. Is this blessing somebody? Amen. James chapter 2 and verse 26. It says this, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. What is that works? That word works in the Greek is ergon. And it means work, but it also means action or task. So when we're talking about faith, we're talking about there's going to be something that God will instruct you to do. I heard one man say it like this, that any faith that puts all the responsibility on God is a lazy faith. I thought that was so good because the more I meditate the word of God, it grows my faith. The more I hear God about that thing, and pretty soon it's going to move me to action. It's going to move me to do something, amen? It's going to push me out there, and it's going to push you out there a little farther than you think you can go. It might say, hey, it's time to call your dad. I know you haven't connected in 5, 10, 15 years 
but it's time to call. And you say, but, but he won't take my calls. But what you don't know is the moment that you obey God, you put his plan into motion. Your obedience puts God's plan into motion. And, and I believe that if we're not careful, we could trick ourselves into thinking that we're waiting on God. But we're not waiting on God. Because it says that God has predestined some things. God is waiting on us. And through us, all families of the earth will be blessed. Through us, the blessing is, is brought into motion. Through us, things change in this earth. I tell our youth all the time that how do people know that God is real? Well, people know that God is real who don't believe in God when they see God coming through you. When they hear your testimony, they see your experience, they know that God is real through you showing them God is real. God wants to make us a living billboard for his goodness, amen? He wants to show forth his goodness to us and his power through us. Let's all stand to our feet. Hallelujah. And let's pray. Let's just give God some thanks and praise. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for being a good God, a great God, a God who sees and provides, a God who is all-knowing and all-powerful. Say some words to your God. Exalt your God. We thank you, Lord for using us, Lord, to change things in our towns, in our cities, in our nation, Father. That this is not a godless nation, but this is one nation under God. And that you are using us, Father God, as change agents, as your ambassadors in this earth, Father. Use us as change agents in the community. Use us as change agents, Father, in our families and in our households. We thank you, Lord, that you are providing every single need that we have, Lord, and that we are seeing miraculous breakthroughs, signs, and wonders, Father, that this word of God will go down deep into our hearts, Father, and it will bear forth much good fruit. I thank you, Lord, for establishing our household and that our thoughts that we continuously think, Lord, we will meditate on your word, what is good, pure, lovely, and of just report, Father. We bind every thought of negativity. We bind every thought of doubt. We bind every thought of insecurity and inadequacy. And right now, we release the spirit of might and boldness, Lord, coming on your people to do what you've commanded them to do, Father. That they will take faith and trust in you, Lord, to launch out into the deep. That they will see dreams manifested, Father. I pray for visions in Jesus' name. Visions, Father. Prophetic, angelic visions, Lord. To be able to see the things that you have for them in this life. And what you've called them to, Lord. I thank you for a grace coming upon them, Lord, to transition into the next season. That you are keeping them safe. You're keeping their families safe. The Lord says, don't worry about the finances. I got it covered as you're considering transition. But the Holy Spirit says, go in this power and this thy might. And I will be with you. My rod and my staff will comfort you. I thank you, Lord, that the angels are, are keeping us safe and protecting our families. Ah, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for the great things that you are doing in us and through us and around us. We thank you, Father God, for the explosive growth here at uh, Faith Christian Center. We thank you, Lord, for the great things that you've put in Pastor Carrick's heart and Lady Raquel's heart, that this season they will start to see those things manifested and come to fruition, Lord, those things that you've put inside of their hearts that nobody else knows about. 
I thank you, Lord, that this season they will start to see it come to pass. And I thank you, Father, for destiny helpers that will be assigned to them, Father, not just as intercessors, Father, but doers, Lord, who will prophetically be able to see the vision. They will catch the prophetic vision, Lord, and they will be able to run with it. They will run with it. I thank you, Lord, for using this house, Father, to be able to establish faith, to preach faith, to demonstrate faith, and that you are using this house, Father, as a voice to go out to the nations to show forth your glory, your power, your signs, your wonders, your miracles. We thank you, Father, that miracles didn't die away with the apostles of old, Father, but miracles are still for today. And we thank you, Father, that you are using this house to be able to be a billboard, an advertisement for the fullness of your glory. We thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody give God some praise. Hallelujah. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.